podcast starts. Hello everyone. If this is your first time listening to our show, then welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. And thanks for sticking with us. This is a podcast that talks about horror. Horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about just because that's who we are. This is the second and final of our film review episodes following Grimfest 2020. This time we'll be talking on Zoom about They Reach, Fried Barry, The Unhealer and Death Ranch. We have a number of hosts who vary week to week, but I'm T.D. Velasquez. As always, you can call me Dan. I'm in Greater Manchester, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by... Stella in Manchester. And we're also joined by... Ian Winterton in Rainy Cheshire. Oh dear. <laughs> rainy Cheshire. It's, it's not raining in Manchester. Well, uh, it makes a change. It does, doesn't it? It's nice. Maybe I should sit outside. It's been an atypically almost nice day around here. It's quite cold. So. An almost nice day. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I walked outside for a short time and then stopped being outside. So, <laughs> um, I've not been outside since Sunday. Right, okay. Remedy well, that, I think. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm sure I've got that that beat into well i know i have i know that i've done like two weeks stretches inside the house and not just stop noticing that i'm not going outside but that's you know um that's shielding for you yeah um okay so before we get on to the reviews um let's just discuss any news that we have from horror or from life this week anybody yeah i've got some news um one piece of life news um i'm going teaching in the university tomorrow for the first time since march oh, wow. so i'm excited and terrified as well because it's going to be a bit peopley but it'll be fine it'll be fine and it's just also like can i remember what to do <laughs> with people i need to you know have a wash <laughs> make sure <that> i'm <laughs> presentable so that'd be interesting but i'll get over it but yeah it should be good i think it'd be nice to go in and see people again but it's just one. And then my other bit of news, which is relevant to other people, is um, the British Association of Film, TV and Screen Studies, or BAFTS for short, um, they've got a horror studies special group that I'm part of, that I'm a governor of. And on Wednesday, the 28th of October at 7pm, we're doing a round table um, all about Ghostwatch. And we're going to explore the show and its reception and how other things have tried to sort of emulate it. Um, And I'm chairing this roundtable. And we're going to be joined by, I've got their names, Dr. Derek Johnson, Dr. Stacey Abbott, Dr. Kate Egan and Dr. Shelley McMurdo. Now, it is free to attend and it's free to attend to, you know, people who are not academics. Um, When we've got the sign up sheet... I will let you guys know, I'll let you know, Dan, and you can maybe put it on the podcast notes when the sign-up sheet's available. Of course, And then brilliant. on the day, um, if you signed up, you'll just get the Zoom linked emailed to you. So That's yeah, you can fantastic. So you listen to some academic types talking about Ghostwatch. That's absolutely amazing. That's yeah. a wonderful piece of news. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll be able to do a Q&A at the end. Yeah, there'll be time for a Q&A, Ooh. and um, so if you do want to watch it live and get involved in the Q&A, then do get yourselves on Zoom that night, but if you don't manage to see it, uh, you can't, you know, you've got other commitments or you're asleep or any of those things, 
then it will be recorded and it will be available on the um, Facebook page for the group as well. Okay. All right. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Here's hoping oh. Pipes doesn't turn up. <laughs> oh, you better have to. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> I'm doing it from my house, so. <laughs> right. oh, no, don't, don't worry, Stella, you know, his influence will be nationwide. It's anyone oh, who's yeah. got a receiver, so. You can all cop for it as well, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, there's no escape, but over the, oh, over that's the, great. Over the internet. <laughs> I have found myself wondering what it's like, what it's going to be like whenever I've joined one of these kind of um, online events um, and whether or not there are going to be millions of people joining them and just you'll just see loads of faces on your screen or yeah. how it's going to work. Yesterday, actually, I, I watched an, in, an online improv comedy show, which was on Zoom. And, uh, but it was on Zoom, but it was over YouTube. So I just watched it. But because it still looked like a Zoom window, I kept thinking they could see me. <laughs> and they could, t they knew which jokes I was laughing at and which not and stuff. But they didn't at all. Well, um, they're not looking at you at all. I did with the the Bath's Horror Group. They did um, a book launch two weeks ago for um, Doctor or Professor, I think, Alison Pierce's new book called Women Make Horror. And there was must have been what four pages of a packed Zoom screen. So everyone, the way they did it was just that everyone have their mics and cameras off and then the people that are speaking, just you guys have your mics and cameras on. So that's how we'll do it, I think, for the round table. So mm. if you do come and watch it, then mics and cameras off until we do um, Q&A. I mean, yeah. this is me figuring out now how I'm going to be organising it because I'm chairing it. So that's, that's <laughs> what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glad that sounds about right, doesn't it? Minutes to think about that. There are different, yeah, there are different ways of doing it. Because I was at I was at the Writers Guild AGM right. on Zoom, and the people who were running it were always on the top. Right. And then the rest of us were just like a gallery view. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that makes place. sense then. Let me write that down. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much not a Zoom expert. <laughs> well, we're all getting there. To be fair, yeah. it's only been um, seven months. I was actually phoned up today by Mina Anwar, um, All right. well, asking, ask, actually saying I'm not a Zoom expert, asking, you know, your film stewards, um, on she's Zoom. in your film stewards and dumplings. Yeah, yeah, and, Zoom, and uh, yeah, she she phoned up today, going, "Can you give me some advice? Because I've got to do a Zoom film." And I was a bit like, okay. <laughs> "Like, I feel, like, I feel like there's a few of us, like the guys from Host, who are." Uh, just uh, <laughs> doing things on Zoom and, and and I think it's interesting that that she called you rather than the director. <laughs> you know. Well, because so yeah, the director was not on the techie side. <laughs> so, All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> was, uh, they, were, they were doing the directing, but yeah. So those production duties fell to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my horror news. Um, I've just seen on Twitter is that they, the BBC have announced they're making uh, the uh, Jimmy Savile story, um, which <laughs> has been quite controversial. Well, yeah. um, my favourite favorite podcast that isn't is, this one. Grim. <laughs> well, my favourite favourite podcast that isn't this one, or Killer No Filler, um, I went to see them live, um, and it, they usually do serial killers, but for the live version that we saw at Christmas last year, it, they did Jimmy Savile. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh gee. Um, so yeah, there was some there was some details in that that I uh, 
maybe I'll send you in a text message if you're interested, but absolutely cannot be repeated on this. <laughs> Whatever you, what the worst okay. thing you're imagining, it's worse than that. <laughs> and then probably um, worse than that as well. No, oh, the, the BBC are already getting flack all over Twitter. I'm not surprised. Paedophilia isn't entertainment. But their, um, their official line is, we must understand why a man like Jimmy Savile seemed to remain immune for so long to proper scrutiny and criminal investigation says the BBC, who tried to quash an investigation into <laughs> being aired on that. So, uh, so it, def definitely, definitely a very interesting thing to talk about. Absolutely. I think it, it's kind of strange because the BBC have always, you know, they've suffered in the light of that because they were kind of complicit as an organisation in those things. So you'd think they wouldn't mm. want to do anything which drew attention to that again. Yeah, yeah. but then... I wonder if it's riding on the back of, like, true crime being massively popular now. You know, yeah. Des was on ITV, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. You know, maybe... You yeah. Know. No, no, but yeah. again, this is the, the unique thing that is the BBC, is they're not a corporation that's got this identity, even though everyone thinks they have. Mm. You know, they're the one channel that goes, oh, we're going to do a thing that advertises other channels because we're the BBC. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, everyone hates yeah. it when, they make, when they're busy making themselves look good. <laughs> they, can't, <laughs> they can't win, basically, can they? No, no, that's true. No. True. To some well, extent, that's what's valuable about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, you recommended Des the other week, Ian. And, oh, yeah. Um, so I watched it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, um, powerful stuff. Um, it's, it's very good, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't know what else to say. I I was surprised to um, find that the director was another person that I have a slight connection with. Uh, Lewis Arnold was at film school with my friend Tim. Oh, um, and he's obviously doing very well for himself. He directed some of Broadchurch and some oh, of yeah, films right. and things. Oh yeah. Yeah, I followed him um, on Twitter as a result of Des. But, right. Um, yeah. But no, it's very impressive. I mean, really great performances and, mm. and everything. Um, and, and just quite gripping, even though you know quite a lot about what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, also, he had um, a random horror and podcast link. It, it had, uh, what's he called? Uh, Barry Ward in it, out of the movie Extraordinary Stella. Yes. Yeah, I know. I, went, I noticed him as well. I got really excited when he came on screen, <laughs> and uh, I turned round to shout to Owen that it was him, and he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't give a shit. That's right. right. Anyway, I've turned into my dad, who because he works in the business, always goes, "Oh, it's him! Oh, that's so and so's son! Oh, look!" And I've turned into that guy. <laughs> And I've turned into the oh, I bet that's so and so. I bet that's that bloke. I bet he's related to oh, it's <laughs> that obscure movie. And my wife just goes, Shut up. <laughs> what are you talking watching about? A, we're watching a film. Me and my mum now have the oh, that's that actor, isn't it? Conversations that my mum and my dad used to have. Yeah, and I, I can never remember the name. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I've already reached that age. Do you I have always, to pause it to go and see what other films they were in so that you can remember who they are? Yeah, I love <laughs> I the one. I love the, the I one. Google I Google it. I say the one I remember my dad saying, which is, oh, they've got old. <laughs> 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 when you see somebody on a contemporary drama, oh, they've got old. They've got old. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. My mum says that all the time, and my stock reply <laughs> line is, 
Not everybody ages as well as you do, Mum. Ah. <laughs> because they're generally younger than she is. <laughs> yeah. Even now. Oh, well, yeah. So. Yeah, so let's yeah. move on to the reviews. So, Stella, you're going to rejoin us in a bit because yes. you yep. haven't seen Fried Barry. Or they reach. And, and, um, and then we'll talk about the films that you have seen. So, see All you right. shortly. Bye. So, Ian, let's talk about They Reach. Let's. Um, so, I just watched this yesterday, so I'm just going to sum up the plot. Um, it's set in 1979. It's an American film, and it focuses on three teenagers, uh, Jessica, Cheddar, and Sam. And they're all about 13 years old. Um, and it's, it's kind of two parts, kind of coming-of-age adventure story. But... Um, the the thing which gets the horror plot moving is that, um, well, kind of trying to amuse herself following um, the, her um, the the main character is Jessica played by Mary Madeline Rowe. Her whole family are grieving because her older brother has recently died, um, and she likes to she's a tech head basically in a 1979 style. She likes to build little machines and robots and things and she goes to a, a bric-a-brac shop to find things to put together and she ends up buying a, an old tape recorder which turns out to be haunted basically um, and contains some kind of spirit which then begins to plague the friends and um, Jessica's family and, um, and that's about as far as we should go with the plot, I think. Um, I really like this movie. Ian. Yeah, no, me too. It's been my, ever since I watched it ages ago to, to interview um, Silas Dahl, the, uh, the director, and Mary Madeline and star and, and writer and producer Bri Troyer. Um, who pops up as in the uh, in the credits? It's his official title is Mister Creepy, um, right? But he's the shopkeeper who sells. Oh, that's him. Okay. Which, which is actually, when you watch it, it's just a shopkeeper, but actually, it's quite a pivotal role, as which people will see when mm. when he's in it again um, to, at the end. Um, well, I mean, without spoiling it. I'd like to touch on the fact that, you know, there are people in, involved in the production taking on multiple roles because you get that, in, obviously, in a lot of low-budget movies oh. and, and we see a lot of it in horror festivals. Um, but actually, when I, I didn't know that until the credits came up at the end. And I didn't... It's not the kind of movie where I thought that... It just seemed to be really complete as a as a movie and as a production that you know i wasn't going oh that actor is only there because he's also the special effects guy yeah yeah no, no, I, I i one thing i sort of said to them is is that obviously i didn't want to be rude and ask them what the budget was but i'm assuming it was quite low but not in a way that you could tell because it no. looks fantastic their cinematography is amazing it's got a real sort of sun-kissed, um, you know, sun-kissed 70s feel. They yeah. they managed to give it a 70s soundtrack without spending money on songs that you've all heard of because actually they're all modern songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, that they've sort of, they've, they've gone through Spotify and found people with, uh, you know, 
found people with a seventies vibe and right. said, can we, you know, can we give you some cash for some, for some exposure and you can be on our film. And it's a real, you know, um, the sort of the nitty gritty of how to put a film together and to put a film together on a low budget that doesn't look low budget is a real talent. Um, but it's yes. just, it's got a, it's got a really good script. It's got a, I, I've, I'm probably boring people now, but I do think Mary Madeline Rowe has the makings of, you know, if she, if she gets, if she gets the right role, she could, uh, she could be a, she could be a big name, I think, because she's no. a really, she's a really good, I mean, she's, own, she's, she's generally a teenager, a bit like Millie Bobby Brown, um, of which this is, Stranger Things is very much well, a, 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 has a feel. It's a touchstone. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it's similar and different. I should say, uh, the other two young stars, Morgan Chandler and Eden Campbell, they're both great as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the chemistry between the three leads. Yeah, yeah. It's just really wonderful. You know, um, Eden Campbell, Eden... I said this to the guys at the time, but just something that's, you know, quietly radical, like having a female lead and then having a sidekick who's not a boy. Yeah, she's also female. It's uh, and she's the sort of crazy, I guess, in Stranger Things terms. She's a bit Dustin in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. But she's a girl. It's just yeah. quietly radical. And they have a that. great chemistry. Yeah, yeah. As friends, and that's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess if I had a criticism, and you can give me your feedback on this, Ian, mm-hmm. it would be that I thought that the kind of supernatural horror plot stuff was a bit weaker than the. Um, the kind of human drama and the story of the the three kids side of it. Um, I I was all through. I was completely engaged by the human characters mm. um, and just by their relationship. But then when we had scenes not featuring them that were kind of building up to the supernatural elements, I found them less involving. And um, I mean, maybe I wasn't paying attention because I found. It, um, I, don't, I didn't really understand the mythology of whatever it was that came out of the tape deck. Um, I, I did think it was, um, you know, when you saw it briefly in flashes, that was those were always quite effective moments. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And things like um, that. But I just didn't really get what. I mean, the movie's called They Reach, as it's yeah. not its reaches. So I thought, is it one thing or is it several things? And I didn't really know by even by the end, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I guess I guess that's fair to say. The horror elements, not sometimes you have things that are high concept, and the teens that are in it are kind of secondary to the plot. And this is the other way around, in that the ensemble is the thing. Yeah, and the MacGuffin that gets us to explore their characters. Yeah, you're right. I probably yeah. couldn't tell you now exactly what the hell was going on. Um, in terms of that, in terms of in terms of it's a haunted tape deck, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's the, the basic, it's the basic always... shorthand. But but yeah. the but the characters are always, I I think, and I I think, as somebody who writes writes, you know, I write. Um, the for me the real holy grail of, of especially genre is giving is giving a team of characters that you want to hang out with. So Stranger yeah. Things again, it, that's like you know they've got that lightning in a bottle of oh my god I don't care what the plot is in Stranger Things. Because actually, 
who talks about the plot in Stranger Things? It's not like one of those things where people go, oh, and then this happened, and then that happened, and, and oh, my God, what do you think is going to happen with this? Most of the time, you're not. You just enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, it's an excuse to hang out, and it's the same with, with Buffy and, and, other, and other things like that, and you know, Josh, Josh Whedon. Uh, Josh Whedon's the person that always gets this right, and I, and I, you know, I said to them, I, I'd watch these three kids um, in another film or in a TV series, or yeah, yeah, or or if they if they sort of worked a way of making something similar but different involving these these actors, yeah, um, definitely, you know, they've definitely got something going on. Um, yeah, I think so, and I think character development and character focus should always come first yeah. and it does here and it works really well and they're not the only strong characters in it you know most of the kind of bit characters are well cast and, and kind of interesting there's no time when you go like you, was, like you were saying at the beginning there's no time when you think oh this is a bit clunky because it's a bit low budget but we'll forgive it because it's, it's a horror film and they didn't have yeah. much money and they had to get someone to mum in or something there's none of that going on. Everything's everything's completely professional, and you know, and and as I suspect, looks looks a lot more expensive than it actually was. Um, although I don't know, they might have had loads and loads of money. But I I just I just assume that it's a low budget film, but with lots with 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 a very good director and producers. I, <laughs> I think it is probably budget. low budget because they've been very careful in in what they show. I mean, for instance, a lot of it is about the high school, but you never see any classes going on or teachers teaching. You have one scene which is in the sports hall with a physical education class. Yeah. And that's more or less it. And the rest of the school-based scenes where the, the friends are talking, I think they're mostly you know, in the yard or just outside the school. Yeah. So they they've just they've made clever kind of creative choices to yeah. to keep the money down I think and it does look lovely and also it has um a period sense to it that's really convincing but doesn't feel you know it wasn't chock full of references to no, the no. time. Um and I really like that although there was a bit well actually right at the beginning where almost the first scene is there's a camera creeping uh, of or kind of side tracking through a graveyard, mm. and it says 1979 on it, and I just thought, oh god, I'm watching Phantasm, which yeah, is made yeah. in 1979, and again is kind of a child versus supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Horror. No, no, there's, there's definitely um, 1979 was quite a year. Uh, mm. They had they have close encounters, and they have on the posters, and they have yeah, and they have Ripley. Ripley. From is very yeah. much a poster on the wall, which I, I mean, I'll forgive it because it's hardly a main thing, but I don't know how much a 13-year-old girl would have put a poster of a film of Alien on the wall. Just Alien, yeah. you know, before it became the thing that we know today, <laughs> when it had just come out as Alien. But it wasn't um, a poster of Alien, it was a poster of Ripley, so maybe she looked up to her as a kind of astronaut hero. Yeah, well, that, that, that was, that, they said that was the idea, the sort of the strong female character. Yeah. Um, but I'm just picking hairs now. I don't, I, I was seven in 1979, so I don't remember how right. much of an impact the film Alien had on, uh, had on 13-year-olds. But I suspect, I suspect maybe not as much as 
a girl having them having her on her wall. But I suppose, if she, a, I suppose if she was a a movie nut uh, and she liked her Spielberg. I mean, wasn't nineteen seventy nine the um the the launch of the first space shuttle? So uh, maybe I'm going to go out on a limb and say no because right. I remember that at school, and I think it was nineteen eighty. Oh, right. Or 1981, even. So, uh, Google. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yes. Please tell us, Google. Please tell us, Google. That's, but, um, uh, 81. Yeah. See, I've got a, I've got a memory. April the 12th, 1981. Excellent. Just because, you know, when you look back into your own childhood and you go, 79 for me is really fuzzy because I was seven. Whereas yeah. I know which teacher was teaching me when we were sat down watching the space shuttle launch on one of those right. crap old TVs that they wheel out, which maybe you didn't even have because you're a lot younger than me. But, uh, uh, in 1981, I was being born in. So, um, yes, yes. Well, uh, yeah. But yeah. the reason I, I do know that 79 was the, the, the year that they named the space shuttle Enterprise. I know that because I'm a Star Trek fan. Uh, I see. Star Trek fans wrote to NASA to demand that the first space shuttle be called Enterprise. It, it was going to be called something else. But it wasn't in the end. The first shuttle launch was Columbia. So. I thought, oh, oh. was that the one <laughs> so, that later exploded? No, it's Challenger. No, the, there was another one. I think it might have been the Columbia, eventually. It wouldn't have been its first flight, obviously. No, um, no but... Um, the, the, oh, well, it, it, the, the first the space shuttle enterprise was the first orbit of the space shuttle system i don't think it ever took off though all oh, right so or didn't blast into space right okay so anyway they reach yes. <laughs> um, uh, i'll tell you what just kind of pitching off from our kind of spacey science discussion i did yes. like the fact that the nature of the horror in this movie was <laughs> supernatural because of the comparisons to stranger things and therefore yeah. that made me mentally compare it to super eight which yeah. was basically stranger things first yeah, yeah. both of those are like alien monster type um franchises yeah um, and so therefore i was kind of expecting this to be the same but obviously it wasn't it was more uh, as well as we said haunted tape deck and and there's a kind of element of demonology to it and it had a yeah it reminded me a bit of i mean i know that you compared it to sam raimi mm. and the sam raimi film it reminded me most of though oddly was dragged me to hell mm. and it felt a little bit more kind of disciplined within its approach to characters and and the kind of mythology of uh, the supernatural as opposed to the evil dead which is just a bit crazy yeah so, yeah yeah. you know yeah I, I wonder if that was a sort of deliberate thing that they go well like you said because they did mention super eight a lot um right. and in in sort of subsequent publicity super eight seems to get mentioned more than stranger things i don't know if that's just because stranger things is current and uh and super eight or may, maybe the tone of super eight thinking about it is a lot more like this film and stranger things is a lot more wacky and and, and especially in increasing, increasingly so as the se seasons have gone on, it's it's uh, it's more and more over the top sort of right. uh, comic book, which is which is kind of half the fun of Stranger Things, but um, but yeah, but it's, it's got more and more divorced from real life. <laughs> right, Stranger Things has. 
I've only seen the first series, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the first series, basically everything just gets bigger and lots of people have moaned that it's all just too ridiculous in later seasons. Whereas I've, I've gone with it, I do. I still like it. Mainly because you want to watch the, the gang, the Scooby yeah. gang that they've got I, in that. I do um, want to watch more of it, but I want to hear that it comes to a definitive conclusion before I watch more because... Well, apparently the le- next season's going to be the last one. Right. So, so so we shall see. I'll watch it for you. Thank you very much, Ian. I <laughs> appreciate that service. You whether to bother. Splendid. <laughs> but um but they reached to sum up then, unless you've yep. got much else. Um yeah, I just think I think it's lovely, I think it's involving. I think that uh, like you say, Mary Madeline Rowe is a star to watch. Yep. Um, actually, the, the the early scenes of it, where it before you've kind of met the, the other kids, where it just focuses on Jessica and she's wandering around the school and she's clearly a bit kind of low key, different, individualist. Uh-huh. Um, I was reminded of Saucer Ronan and I was reminded uh-huh. of the film Ladybird. Actually, oh wow, yeah, I've not um, seen that, but I know who Saucer Ronan is. Yes, that's a really good film, and it's a not it's a period piece, but it's only two thousand and two. It's set in. Oh, it, wow. it kind of feels like more of a throwback than that's that. That's not a period piece. Two thousand two. <laughs> that, that was yesterday. But yeah, Saucer Ronan, who's who's about to come out of Ammonite with Kate Winslet, which. Uh, All right about fossil hunting victorian women oh wow and and lovers which um i which i find fascinating yeah yeah i love i love my fossils and my paleontology of Um, course you do so yeah and a lot of it a lot of it was found by uh victorian victorian ladies the first ichthyosaur was dug out of the ground by a victorian woman uh but this is about ammonites Right. And Sapphic Love. Okay. Um, well, anyway, how do we get to, from, from, <laughs> yes. the, from the Space Shuttle Enterprise to, to Sapphic Victorian Ammonite hunting ladies. All via They Reach. <laughs> yes, overall They Reach is, is good fun. Um, yeah, and, and also, well also it's a real, because it, this, this is never a reason to watch a film, although maybe it is, just support films like this because it's indie and and these people need you know, somebody needs to go, oh, everyone's like this, because I think this team, yeah. this team of people, um, not not just Mary Madeline Rowe, but ev- all of them, just get them yeah. back together with an even bigger budget. And, uh, and yeah, I think... Because it, it, it's, like you say, it's got a good script, it's well-directed. Yeah. All the, the minor characters are, are well-depicted. Um, it, it achieves a period setting really impressively and unobtrusively for what we assume is a small budget. So mm-hmm. there's kind of talent on every level. I, I don't think, um, I, in a way I feel like I, I, if um, I wish there was something else to the film to answer my criticisms, I probably wish there were a couple of extra scenes in the middle mm-hmm. in which things were explained more, but I wouldn't change any of the scenes that are there really i wouldn't change any of the yeah. things in it yeah um and um and lovely score as well and yeah definitely one to watch out for and and support yeah and i'm sure we'll we'll definitely announce it on here but i'm sure it will get it will get more distribution uh and pop up at other places because it's yeah. it's a cracking little movie absolutely we'll keep yeah. an eye on that and uh also talking of uh 
talking of space shuttle enterprise the internet is telling me i think trekkies were a little bit patronized because yes they let you have the enterprise but it was constructed without engines or a functional heat shield <laughs> and, and as a result is not capable of space flight yeah <laughs> so that's, that's, like, let's get this over with that's textbook let's, fobbing off that. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. shuttley mcshuttle face let's <laughs> <laughs> let's give the trekkies the one that's not going into space so we don't have to talk about it <laughs> oh dear oh dear oh dear anyway <laughs> the pain the pain goes on I know. Oh, well, well. yeah so okay righty and let's talk about fried barry uh this movie we interviewed the writer director ryan kruger and the producer james c williamson on the show a few weeks ago um it's a south african very strange road movie um, about an alien on Earth. How do you sum up uh, Fried Barry? Well, uh, when you say road movie, it's a road movie on foot. Um, yes, that's mostly. right. It, it's all within one city, which is Cape Town, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, uh, and, South the, Africa. and the not very touristy parts of Cape Town, shall we say. It's, right. the, uh, it's the, uh, the dodgy back streets uh, of Cape Town. Um, He's a drug-addled, abusive bastard um, who, who even before he gets abducted by aliens or possessed by aliens, is more the thing. Um, he uh, he's he's not a very nice man, and yeah. he's weirdly nicer when he's got an alien inside him, sort of. Um, but he just wanders around, staring at people, getting into weird scrapes, and it's it's. It's one of those sort of unique films, like, um, well, like they said, like they said um, in the interview, and I, I identified anyway. Is does Bad Boy Bubby was one of their mm. sort of seminal things because that's about a man who just wanders around um, after being kept in a room, brought up in a hole in one room by his parents at the age of thirty. He wanders around Sydney, I think it is. This is Fried Barry, an alien. Who wanders around looking at looking at strange low life goings on, getting in trouble, um, hurting people, getting people pregnant, even having a kid, all in the space of twenty four hours. It's just <laughs> it's just an insane. It's hilarious as well, insane and disturbing and scabby. Yeah, and and, and it's it's not clean. It's just no. It's good unclean fun. It's yeah. Uh, it's a, but it's a, it's a definite. I mean, we both love it, don't we? So, I think, uh, yeah, I absolutely do. It's a visual tour de force. Um, <laughs> Barry is played by an actor called Gary Green, uh -huh. who's um, an extraordinary-looking guy who's made his living as an extra for uh -huh. years, and this is his first lead role, and it's quite an incredible performance. I was rewatching bits of it today. And there's like the nightclub scene where it's just him gurning for minutes, basically. We only um, takes loads of ecstasy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's just, I mean, yeah, I was very excited the other day because cause I'm following him on Twitter. And when I shared, I think it was his podcast, um, Gary liked and retweeted it. Wow. Um, Good on asked, you, Gary. Yeah. And I said, I said, I sort of sent a message to him saying, oh, can we interview you? And he didn't reply, but John, the, uh, uh, sorry, Ryan, the uh, 
the director the director yeah. just sent a message saying ryan kruger letters just saying he doesn't do interviews <laughs> oh, right <laughs> so to preserve his mystique i guess wow but uh wow. yeah but uh but yeah he's he's uh if i mean literally if somebody was born to play a part gary green was uh gary was, mm. was born to play barry yeah um i mean he wasn't no. very much with him in mind I think uh, there's so much about the movie that's fantastic. It's got this incredible, um, atonal, eclectic musical score, kind of all-encompassing, um, cacophonous, thumping, vibrating musical score. Um, the photography is just great, really expressive, really captures the seamy streets. And so many characters. I mean, basically, Gary, sorry, Barry, or both Gary and Barry, spend the whole film just kind of moving from character to character. So mm -hmm. apart from um, Barry and um, Barry's wife, who, who kind of comes back repeatedly, mm -hmm. um, there are there are no kind of ongoing characters. They're just loads of bit parts, but that often they're quite interesting. And and you get uh, just a mass of these comic weird gross gross grotesque um vignettes um and sometimes it verges on being a bit nasty um well yeah. no, it definitely does and it, um but i think the movie is surprisingly sweet within that um yeah yeah, I, yeah. at the end of the day um barry possessed by aliens is kind of an innocent character and he's yeah. looking at the world in a wide-eyed way yeah um yeah, I particularly liked his baby. Those disturbing scenes with the baby that grows up really fast, and then it looks really like an Aphex Twin video as well. Right. With, with his sort of, you know, weird buck teeth and his hair in sort of weird pigtails, and uh, it's 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 basically a weird, not quite a nightmare, but one of those. It's it's it reminds me of when I was younger and I smoked opium and I had. I had dreams that didn't stop when I woke up, um, and it was it, it was a bit like that that sort of sort of drug drug drenched kind of surreal, slightly disturbing, um, and, and occasionally lurching right into full on disturbing. It's a it's a crazy movie, and uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, but uh, yeah, and like like a few other films. Um, it really made me, really made me, of all the films, made me really wish I wasn't watching this on a computer. Uh, right. That I was watching this in a room full of people who were, yeah. you know, at a festival. Because it would, uh, yeah, this, this, this one really, you know, they've done really well and it's been a hit all around the world. But of all the films that could do with being seen in a, in a room full of people at a festival's, Flight yeah. Barry is it <laughs> genuinely cinematic and just yeah. an incredible piece of work I feel yeah. like we should maybe touch on um, the kind of race and gender perception in the movie just because I feel like mm -hmm. although as two white guys two straight white guys we're not necessarily best equipped to comment on this stuff but at the same time I think that other people will bring this kind of thing up yeah, no, I, 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 was actually, I was actually going to say it was a shame Stella and Kirsty didn't get a chance to see it because there mm. was the occasional bit where my uh, 
my spider sense started tingling where it was a bit is this a bit sexist <laughs> i think this might be a bit sexist um um i i well first of all i will say i don't think it really is um i what i certainly don't think it is is homophobic but i do think that there are a couple of scenes where if you're not quite going with the movie and you're kind of alert to this kind of thing you might detect the beginnings of something homophobic and and you might let that turn you off um uh, and yeah. i don't think you should i think you should go with it um because basically a lot of the encounters that barry has are sexual or sexu yeah. sexually charged and there's kind of i think a possibly accidental uh recurrence in it which is that I think most of the heterosexual encounters go well, and the, yeah. and the homosexual ones don't go well necessarily. No, no, no. I, I noticed that. I was a bit... So he's an alien, but he's, uh, he doesn't like... He, he, well, he doesn't sleep with men. Well, I don't, think, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there is a bit in the film where he, he does have sex with another man, but you don't see much of it. And I think the reason why, and I've watched it this particular bit again to make sure that I was right. I think the reason why they don't show too much of it was because it would spoil a surprise that happens later in a different sex scene. Mm. Um, but um, the, the the other guy does end up in a, in a state of distress, and because the the scene is so brief, you mm. could and you don't see much of it. You could imagine that the Barry's hurt him, and that's right. Yeah. But I don't think he did. I don't think that's what's meant to have happened. I think, yeah, um, basically the guy's just kind of shocked by something um, unintended that that occurs. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think um, maybe we're a bit churlish to uh, a movie this utterly crazy. Um, yeah. There was just there was just the odd bit of the sort of female nudity. That felt a little bit gratuitous. If I'm... Yes, yes, I, but, I think that was probably right. But then, then to balance that out, other than Gary, the two women in the piece are the only sort of main characters who yeah, get to and, do some stuff. <laughs> so and the, they're positive characters as well. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we do yeah, come I mean, to care about both of them. Yeah, yeah, but but just just as a sort of tour de force, really scabby Gonzo filmmaking. Um, and the, the fact that they they kind of they made it up as they went along. They didn't quite when they started making a film. They didn't really know yeah. where this film was going. Yeah, and it just sort of happened, and they shot it over several weekends. You know, just turning up at Gary's house saying we're going. Yeah. So it all it all kind of came together very organically, and yeah, and it's full of people who are off the telly in South Africa, who are all dying to just do a few lines with the legendary. Legendary Gary Green. <laughs> that everybody um, knows, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I feel that. like I should mention, just because I, d I think I did use the word racism, I think mm. the only reason that would occur to you as a viewer is because of where it's set and because of the racial history of South Africa. And yeah. they do kind of have a, a character. It, well, there's an early scene which is in a, a kind of white person's bar and a character is quite cheerfully says some racist things. And yeah. you might kind of think, oh dear, is the film on board with this? I don't think it is at all. Um, and actually the, the overall cast is massively diverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And you get various, uh, many yeah, different kinds of language speakers, ethnic groups, gender types. 
Yeah, no, I think that um, I think that character is supposed to be seen as an asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a loser. Um, but he doesn't. Yeah, no, no, no. I remember I remember hearing that and uh, thinking, well, that's that's probably South Africa <laughs> in yeah. some ways, but it wasn't. It wasn't. No, I, it wasn't. Think... Uh, it wasn't condoning it. No, I, I think it's something that the film is just acknowledging. Yeah, but I also think I also think we shouldn't really focus on these aspects because they're very minor to the film. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to uh, get our PC brownie points, um, <laughs> I think I think what it what what makes it such a successful film is that I, I like the I like the thesis that I came up with when I was interviewing them that Gary Green is sort of known for his background work, and in a way, putting a background artiste at the center of a movie is kind of the film's mission statement because everybody else who's in it is also sort of the marginalized and background characters of society. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the view of the world that we don't often see. You know, we usually see a city from the point of view of its cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this case, we see it from the point of view of an alien who's just dropped into the body of a drug addict. So, <laughs> that's a very different perspective and that's what movies can do. And also on a very basic level, it's really fun in a horrible, scabby way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not one to watch with your mother, I don't think. Depending who your no. mother is, but not my mother. No, not mine either. Um, <laughs> but no, I definitely recommend it. And um, I, I really like my idea of running it in a double bill with Repo Man. I yeah, yeah, no, no, Repo, Repo Man and Bad Boy Bubby, which I think I said before we should do that as a forgotten classic, so you can watch that. Well, yeah, it's, it's certainly twenty-five years old, twenty-eight years old, uh, or twenty-seven years old. Um, and I remember loving it, so it'd be interesting to give it another watch and see what nice you think, one. especially yeah, in that's... view of Fried Barry taking, right. taking yeah. the Festival World by storm. <coughs> well there we go i think that that's uh that covers fried barry then i think we both love it that's yeah yeah two, it's, two of recommendations out from, of, two. of all the films from grimfest i think this is the one i'm going to go and buy on dvd when it comes out and if not watch again if i can um but yeah i'd like to own fried barry <laughs> and yeah, have, uh, have it have it on the shelf Random point to add as well. I think that Fried Barry is probably the one out of all the movies that I've seen from Grimfest, where the promotional material and the and the artwork associated with the film has just been really great. Oh, well. gotcha. you know, everything yeah, the, about the movie is just so well chosen. Yeah, you could buy Barry's bathwater. <laughs> I don't know what it was, if it was drink or what, but it was Barry's bathwater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is horrible because he has a horrible bath doesn't he yeah but uh yeah no no oh. good on you fried barry it yep. was uh it was great well done ryan james and the team yeah yeah thank you That's for definitely... the privilege of spending time with barry yeah, yeah nice one all right oh my god stella you come back <laughs> <laughs> as if by magic <laughs> very quiet John. it's it's <laughs> it, it's a superbly maintained theatrical illusion that you're here all the time. No, no, no. She quite wisely went off and made herself a cup of tea. So, so let's talk about Unhealer. Um, 
Stella, you, I, we've all seen it. Ian and I were on the interview with the cast and crew a while back, so we've seen it several weeks ago. I meant to watch it again for this review, but couldn't. Um, so probably you're the person who's seen it most recently. Um, do you want to sum up the story? And then, and is that all right? And then we'll, yeah. we'll do a kind of spoiler-free review of all our impressions of it. So there's a teenage boy. He's got um, Pika or Pika. Pika, isn't it? I think it's Pika, according Pika. to the way they pronounced it on yeah. the interview. Yeah. So he's got that and his mother's despairing. So she tries to get him help from a, from a healer, in inverted commas. And uh, things go a bit wild. He kind of inherits the healer's power and uh, stuff happens. I think it's the best way to describe it. It was, um, it felt like I was watching an 80s movie, mm. but I wasn't. I think that's the overriding feeling I got from it. And while all the action bits and all the horror bits are really good, I think the bit that I really, really loved was the relationship between the lad, Kelly, and his mum, Bernice. I really mm. loved their relationship of having a parent and a teenager as characters where they're not just scrapping where they're listening to each other and she respects what he says and, and stuff. And I thought that was just a really mm. refreshing thing to see, particularly in horror where, you know, there's a, a nice family dynamic where the family, the, you know, the parent and the child are getting on with each other. So I, I really noticed that. And then. Oh, and also in the context of it being a single mom as well. Yes. I can't yeah. remember if they explain what happened to the dad. I don't um, think so. I don't but, recall that. I've, I've not written it down. <laughs> Doesn't really it, So yeah, it's a it's a really nice warm relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that, and it was played guess, really well. Yeah, there's sort of shades of Ellen Burstyn and and the Lost Boys mm. kind of oh thing going on. Um, I think I don't think you mean Ellen Burstyn. Let's not have one of those conversations. Oh, it's God. that actor. Um, <laughs> it's, I think you mean Diane Weist. Probably in the Lost Boys, but um, I'm just oh, so pleased that my brain neurons worked long enough for me to be able to remember that name. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Lost Boys, but I do remember loving that aspect of that movie. Yeah, uh, this does follow up on that. It's interesting to see Natasha Henstridge playing the mom as well. Diane Weist. Yeah, um, you know it's. Uh, as uh, someone who remembers Natasha Henstridge from her brief flurry of sci-fi action horror mm. roles in Species and John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars and things, um, I didn't recognise her at all for a minute. Uh, I think I had to look her up. But, yeah, she's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you said Species, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Really, yeah. Well, it's really weird. Species is quite historic because the the, the alien is played by two actresses who kind of went on to become more famous. The the alien when she's a young girl is Michelle Williams, who's now much more famous. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, she played Marilyn yeah. Monroe in My my Week with Marilyn and things like that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. overall, um, did you find yourself liking the film, Stella? I really, really did. I enjoyed the trajectory, the trajectory of the character. It was quite clear what, what he was going to do from the outset. So it wasn't a very particularly complicated film um but i watched it on sunday afternoon when i'd got back from a walk that, that was longer than i wanted it to be and it was just the nicest thing to sit on the sofa with a blanket and and enjoy and i found it remember we talked about um 
when we talked about what we do in the shadows and we talked about comfort horror mm-hmm. i put it in that box i think because okay. it was it was so nice <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah um do you think i mean i think it's although we said you know no spoilers i think it's fair to say that kelly is a bullied kid yeah and part of the main thrust of the plot really but which becomes clear within the first half hour is that he the powers that he gains he's able to use to defend himself against the bullies at school and and do you think that the kind of revenge or defending himself aspect of the plot was was quite satisfying like that is that part of the comfort do you think yeah i think so because i mean the the bullies were particularly heinous um so I didn't, I didn't feel bad for them at any point when he was wreaking his revenge. So that's fine. Um, I've, and I've just got written here things like car, bike, face. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I've, all, all of his, he's got a kind of that slasher sort of feel where he's kind of doing away with them. One at a time. Yeah. yeah. And each, each one was a nice sort of set piece in the way that it was done, I felt. But yeah, I really, really liked it, and okay. I would absolutely, definitely watch it again. That's okay, it's a good sign. Don't yeah. want to leave it behind. I'll watch it again. Oh, definitely. That's great to hear. How yeah. about you, Ian? Yeah, no, I liked it as well. Um, particularly, I haven't even mentioned Lance Henriksen yet. Um, who's the? Yeah, well, he's not the, the central force no, in no, the film. He's, he's he, he's definitely key to um, the setup. Yeah, yeah, but he's definitely an important part of it. In the and also the. I like the fact that it's the, the Native American aspect really made it interesting because without that, as I think the original script from what they were telling us in the interview, it wasn't in the original script and that's what lifts it. It gives it mm-hmm. more depth that it's, you can't imagine it without it now. But if when before, when it was just, uh, you know, the setup is however much you bully this kid, that'll, that'll, that's, you know, that will, the bullies will get hurt instead of him. Mm. That that idea without the Native American, you know, stealing stealing their medicine and things, um, is a is is an okay idea. But I think it's much better having having the Native American aspect to it. Um, and then you've got more of the the sort of I don't know. It goes. It's, it's more. It's more. Um, it's, it, the curse makes more sense as well because it's something he shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, for cultural appropriation reasons as much as anything else because it's come from a desecrated native american burial ground so it's it's bad medicine yeah so so his journey his journey sort of from bullied kid to to little psycho (laughs) is uh is quite good as well yeah and um i i think that that they did quite a good job of of giving him depth i mean you know it's not a straightforward he tu- he turns into a little psycho i think there's um you know there's uh, a sense to which he can be pulled back from the brink and yeah, yeah. But, uh, and yeah also what happens at the midpoint halfway through the film is you know is is huge um yeah, yeah. so mm. so you kind of with him as well so yeah so yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I, didn't, I didn't question his uh, journey or anything. No, I, I, I just no. thought it was a it was a really nice uh, yeah it was a really nice it was a really nice um, horror movie. I don't think you were quite such a fan of it though, were you? Doing? Well, no, and I'm really glad you two were 
um, because I didn't really like it and I felt <laughs> bad about that, um, especially after we interviewed the, the people who made it because they were so lovely. And, yeah. and I, but I do think that... They're not the, your friends, Dan. There are loads of qualities. Um, Lance Henriksen is not my friend. I'll have to deal with it. Um, I think there are loads of qualities. You're almost famous. They're not supposed to be your friend, man. <laughs> oh, right. There's a movie I've never got into watching. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on. To be honest, the things that I found annoying about it, I've kind of forgotten. And the things that I thought were good of it are the things that have, st have stuck. Um, and therefore, I, I suspect that it wasn't that I thought things weren't... I, I did think there were quality elements in it. I just didn't... They somehow didn't gel for me into um, a movie which I really enjoyed. Um, there is one thing that I think would make a difference. Um, well, if I'd, if, I'd not, if I'd heard the interview that we did with the the team and then watch the film I think it, that would have made a huge difference because I think that the sincerity and seriousness with which they took the Native American themes and themes of appropriation and the character work and all that stuff was great um, and also I would have known that Pika, the condition that, um, that uh, Kelly suffers from the eating disorder which makes him eat kind of materials instead of foods um, is a real thing because mm. Um, yeah. When I watched the film, I didn't know that. And actually, it, I just found it kind of quite off-putting. So, like, <laughs> I don't like this idea. I don't like watching this guy eat cartons. I'm supposed to, <laughs> I'm supposed to like him and feel warmth towards him. What's going on? So, yeah, eat, eat polystyrene cups. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the noise that would make. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just ah. like, I mean, to be honest, when I sat down to rewatch it, I, I couldn't rewatch it for technical reasons because I think the screener that they sent us expired or something. When I sat down to rewatch it, I kind of made sure that I didn't have a cup of tea because I thought I'd just feel ill. I, I, I made myself a peppermint tea, which I thought would be more settling to the stomach. Um, so, uh, I'll just list a few of the things that I thought were, were good, even though I, I don't think that they necessarily made the film work for me. So the start of the movie um, I loved, which is the character of Reverend Fluger, Lance Henriksen, driving to, well, he's driving this ramshackle van and he comes ac across a sign that says Indian Burial Ground. So you know... <laughs> where this is going kind of straight away. And then he goes and he robs some graves and he's kind of beset by the, this power. And then, um, and then you, you're introduced to the character of Kelly. And I think that he's really well performed by the young actor, Elijah Nelson. Um, mm -hmm. And what I, I just, I said this in the interview, you know, he looks so convincingly ill and meek at the beginning. The transformation that he does go through is, is completely believable physically and, and kind of emotionally. I think he's really good. I thought Natasha Henstridge was really good. Adam Beach, who played the, um, the sheriff, the, uh -huh. the Native American yeah. sheriff, was a really good kind of reassuring presence. Uh -huh. You know, he's like a friend of the family and he kind of suspects what Kelly is getting involved with and he, he, he tries to intervene kind of gently. And I, I thought that was really nice. And also there's a character in it called Red Elk. That's uh -huh. uh, Branscombe Richmond who we talked to and he's a kind of Native American 
um, I don't know if he's an elder, but he's like an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. he kind of, he, he's not in too much of the film, but there, you know, there's kind of great moments where he, he steps into the story and tries to affect and influence. He confronts Reverend Fluger at an early stage and tries yeah. to stop him using the medicine. And that's a really great scene. Um, and the, the actual, I, I think the basic idea of the film that um, you can take revenge, but you've got to do it by turning, by getting yourself hurt in order to hurt your enemies. Yeah. I think that's, that's really original. Mm. And, and also quite imaginative how they've had to stage some of those scenes. I didn't quite believe it. Um, I don't, uh, <laughs> some of them. Um, uh, I, I think without going into like, a spoiler level of detail I think some of the things that Kelly decided would reflect the power that he was doing to himself back at them I think it's a bit of a leap um, especially the water based one uh, but I don't think I can go into any more detail um, uh, yeah so I, I found that it, it didn't entirely work for me but I really would like to watch it again and I hope I get the chance um, yeah uh, yeah I, I, I think that there's a lot going on in it so definitely one for the listeners to definitely give a yeah. go yes yeah keep an two eye out two or three people liked it <laughs> yeah that, that's two thumbs up but out of three um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I don't know where it's going to be next, but but keep an eye out. Yeah, on, yeah. On, on your streaming. I'd be surprised yeah. if it didn't get some sort of distribution. Yeah. And yeah. also disappointed because I get to write a review and use my use my interview in a publication <laughs> if it gets distribution. Right. <laughs> well, fingers so crossed. Then, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, Okay, so well, let's move on to another movie. Uh, let's talk about Death Ranch. Yay! <laughs> so, again, um, I won't throw this one on you, Stella, because I also watched it just a couple of days ago. So I'll take this one. Um, so I'm just bringing up the IMDb so I get the character names right. Um, okay, so Death Ranch is... Um, Basically, a 70s American black exploitation movie, although made today, obviously, and actually written and directed by an English guy, Charlie Steeds, who Ian interviewed. Um, but basically, taking um, a lot of inspiration from the kind of black exploitation era, um, low budget American cinema, and, yeah. and it has a very straightforward, pulpy plot that's really quite good, very, very stripped back. So um, three uh, black Americans are hiding out at a ranch in Tennessee. They're doing this because one of them has just escaped from prison and they, they're, they're all siblings and they're kind of holding up there so that the heat passes by and then he can, uh, the one who's escaped from prison, can, uh, can go and uh, safely travel to get on with his life somewhere. Unfortunately, however, um, in this part of Tennessee in 1971, the Klan are active, the Ku Klux Klan. And unfortunately, even more so, they are cannibal Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> it's an interesting um, twist. <laughs> so, yes, um, 
so uh when the basically when these two groups of people become aware of their shared presence in this small area uh well they don't get on and basically some extreme violence ensues and yeah. um very extreme uh, <laughs> yes yes and um well i was, and, I was shocked <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm sure Charlie Steeds would be very pleased. Well, the thing is, I mean, a lot of the the movies of the era were were very extreme. I mean, uh, there aren't a lot of black exploitation horror movies, but a lot of them are kind of violent crime thrillers, mm-hmm. um, and and they kind of pushed boundaries because that's kind of where the exploitation comes in. Yeah, is um, taking some very dark, serious subject matter and 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 making kind of breezy low-budget, quick and nasty movies uh-huh. uh, out of it. Um, on that level, I think this movie really succeeds. I really liked it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, basically... and It feels like it was made at the time that it was set. Yeah. And not in a... I don't think they've gone out of the way to, 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 to try and get that feel. They've just kind of obeyed some... Um, well, if it, kind of old school storytelling filmmaking principles, I mean, they haven't gone as far as like uh, faking film grain or faking the film breaking at points, which I think like Tarantino would do. I mean, maybe no, no, they have Steve's... actually. He, if if as as in my interview, Dan. Um, oh yes, he... <laughs> he he did actually. He did actually. You know, you can with the wonders of computer technology now. You can you buy a simple thing now. Oh yes, right. You can buy various types of corruption to put oh, into no. your thing, and he put he put a filter on, and he deliberately chose one that wasn't too wasn't too bad. So it was just there, mur- mm. a bit of murkiness with the odd little bit of dust, and I think like an occasional hair. Um, right. No, but not enough. I mean, I, like I say, I did think yeah. it felt and looked like it was made at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, he, also, he also used, it's also handheld. He didn't have a DP. Yeah. He made yeah. it. Yeah, he, he he said it's the first film where he hadn't had it. He hadn't had his own DP. He'd done it himself. Well, he and his producer, I think, shared some yeah, yeah. free duties. Yeah. yeah, but it was um, very much, it, yeah, that, it, but it but it was very deliberately looks like it was made when it was yeah it, it, was. it, it looks like it was shot on 16 mil film or 30 mil at the time yeah yeah for the yeah. most part i think the only times in the movie where the lighting kind of gives away that it is you know um modern hd is some of the interior scenes in in the barn because of the lighting mm. you can't get away with it as much but I, I thought that what they did was great, and I thought that they didn't fake it to the extent that it takes you out of the movie. Mm. You know, you weren't yeah. looking at, at things like that. I was, I mean, there are details in it which I thought that looks like a low budget 70s cut, but I don't think they faked it. Because, the, 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 like, for instance, there's a bit worse well, right at the beginning, it's where, um, there's a character in the uh, he's making a call from a public call box and he puts the phone down and then turns to see a car pulling up and just the way he does that he's just slightly wrong it's like <laughs> it just doesn't quite the, the cut is just not quite smooth enough and yeah. I don't I think it would take so much more trouble to, the, to fake that than to just do it 
Um, yeah. So well, I've got the cuts as a point that I made. It's like the editing feels is I put it just feels a bit off, feels a bit disjointed. No, okay. made it made it feel a bit kind of nightmare like in places. But then when you mentioned the bit in the barn at the beginning where the older brother, yeah. He's listening to the radio, isn't he? Kind of. Yeah. That that's specifically the scene I'm thinking of where the lighting was a bit off. Yeah. Because mm. I felt that bit, it felt a bit like watching CCTV weirdly. I think because of the camera angles, it was quite odd. So yeah. Like up in the corner watching yeah, it, yeah. so that was a yeah. bit weird. And yeah. then I've got at the top here, it feels a bit Tarantino in places, yeah. but it's yeah. not as not as try hard as Tarantino no. with the seventies. No. Yeah, no. Well, Charlie said Charlie said Tarantino is one of his sort of favourite. Yeah, he's he's a he's a young man. Is Charlie? Um, I wouldn't tell you how old, but um, right. uh, but he's he seemed very young on the Zoom call, um, mm. and very enthusiastic and really knows his onions. And uh, and when you see his IMDb page, he's made about eight movies. <laughs> so wow. he's yeah. uh, and his his new ones just out. Um, which, which yes, I mind getting the Werewolf in England. Yeah, yes. sounds which great. Sort of, which is your sort of John Landis in Victorian times. Yeah. Um, which sounds really fun. But yeah, I I, I really like Death Ranch as well. Um, yeah. It's been it's been a while since I watched a, a horrible splattery movie. I mean, I, I said to Charlie, um, it's 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 gleefully unpleasant, um, mm. and he said, yeah, that's that's the vibe we were going for. Because <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it is, you know, if you if you watch it and you go, oh my god, I can't believe that people watch this for entertainment. Then it's probably not for you. No, um, but I do think um, it's it's disgusting. It, has, it is um, disgusting, but it has a, it has heart. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I really liked isn't it? the good guy yeah, characters. Yeah, so I, I mean, cared about them. It, it's not. Yeah, its tone isn't. Its tone isn't as throwaway as. Bad Taste by Peter Jackson or something, where yeah. it's just cartoon and it really doesn't matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the tone of this is, I guess, a bit more Evil Dead or, or you know, where you do care about them. You do care what happens to the people. Yeah. Um, um, but it's also still gross for the. It's gross for oh, many yeah. reasons. For no, it totally is. Um, so it's Stella. Um, I just want to ask, so did you like it then? Because you, you seem a bit circumspect. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was, I've got a load of scrawly writing here that I wrote when I was watching it and I can't really read my own writing. And I've, and I've drawn a face here that's going, <gasps> <laughs> so I don't know what that is. That might have been the bit where there's um, where he's burning a part of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Possibly that bit. Uh, well, yeah. that's well, one of those moments feeding intestines into a oh yeah oh yeah the, the, the intestine well yeah no no, no it's it, really intense spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> well no you don't know you've not said who's you don't know who's feeding no. to yeah, so. whom <laughs> they also think having it described to you isn't really the same as watching it anyway no <laughs> so. no no well the bit with the with the lighter and the burning of um, a body part I've, I thought it was a bit torture porny in places which i don't mind that's quite like <laughs> torture porn films um and at the bottom i just got a really satisfying film of smashing up racist 
terrible swear word. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I really, really liked it. And I watched it quite late last Friday night. And I thought, I'll just watch a bit of it and see if I I can always finish it off tomorrow. But Mm. um, yeah, I watched the whole thing because I really, really wanted to find out what happened. And it is really gross and it is incredibly, incredibly violent. But it's enjoyable. It's kind of fun because it's not too... Because it's not too serious, I suppose. There's no real hard-hitting message behind it. It's that, you know, it's the clan. <laughs> They're horrible. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll watch them have terrible things happen to them. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. well, that's what I'll say. So it's, it, it actually brought home to me that aspect of exploitation, which is just not taking something seriously enough that, as the, the subject matter warrants. Yeah. But it doesn't need to. You, mm. It's a very dark subject matter. It's a very, very dark idea. Mm. But on the other hand, that means there's no room in the movie for like moralizing or, yeah. you know, um, dark, dark spiritual discussion of whatever. It's just these guys are horrible. These guys are good or goodish. Well, you know, yeah. I, I mean, he, he's technically a criminal, but and you don't really know what he's done. Mm. Um, but at the same time. It's quite movingly not explained the way his sister is giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, she thinks yeah, yeah. he probably wasn't guilty and things like that. And you can see that whatever happened, you know, that's in the past, and and, and the guy wants to turn over a new leaf. Yeah, um, and and actually, the, the 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 little relationship drama between those three characters was just really nice when they're just kind of sitting around in the ranch in the kind of twenty minutes at the start before. Yeah. Things uh, go south, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, so uh, I, I'd like to say um, a couple of things uh, about why I think it was basically breezy and entertaining. Um, <laughs> that is how I describe it. I didn't find any of it, even though it was really horribly violent. The only bit which made me go, oh, I don't really want to watch this. I want to get out of here, was the bit with the intestines because that was right. just like, that was just that just looked horrible, and I was like, <laughs> oh no. I was just looking at that though. But um, oh yeah, yeah. It made me laugh as well. It was it yeah. was the burning that made me go, oh no 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 no. Well, <laughs> well that that yeah that did, but not in a way that um, kind of want, made me want to get out of the cinema, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that it's very f- fast, considering that it's really stripped down. Like a lot of um, low-budget kind of exploitation movies, it's not very long. The plots are very simple, so therefore they can explore the plot f- um, fully, and there's time for character moments and everything. But then the movie's over. I mean, it's an hour and 20 minutes with a lot of credits. And I really yeah. appreciated that I, yeah. it reminded me of a, of a number of low-budget movies in that it bulked up its running time by having very slow credits, <laughs> most of which you've already read at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I've seen that done a lot. Yeah, but, uh, but it's... Yeah, no, I thought it was... a. I, I did think it was... Um, with, with the clan, it, one thing I was taught to... Charlie about is how it's a bit like the genre of Nazi zombies. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Nazis are very serious, as the clan, a very serious part of history. Um, yeah. But there is a tradition, whether it's Mel Brooks or zombie movies, where actually part of opposition to these fascist pigs is to just treat them like clowns. 
yeah, yeah. I think there's I think there's a lot to be said for just making the you know it's not Mississippi burning it's not all serious it's mm -hmm. it's literally yeah you're just cannibal horrible cannibal monsters yeah. and we don't even consider you real because <laughs> yeah. you're, yeah. yeah. you're such monsters yeah. and, um, and, they, I, and they hang one of them that was the, that was sort of important thing that yeah. one of them should be seen to be lynched in the background yeah so, yeah yeah you know so in, in its own tiny way it's uh it is a protest movie as well you know no, it's it's, uh, i mean it feels like it's a step forward i mean charlie said in that interview that he kind of felt this had not been done before the kind of, yeah. uh, an exploitation horror movie with the clamors of the villains yeah, um yeah. you know it should in the same way that tarantino when he made django unchained yeah you know, there'd never been a laugh out loud comedy scene about how stupid clansmen are before. Yeah. Uh, no, that, no. Uh, maybe in Blazing Saddles, they appear briefly. Oh, do they? I'd forgotten about when, that. When, he's, when they're getting all the bad guys together at the end of Blazing Saddles, when right. they, have bla they have bad guys from all across different genres and times. Right. So they have Nazis so and they have Mexicans and then they have some clan members mixing right. as well. So it's. Uh, but yeah, but the, most, I do remember mostly, that, mostly they're either played straight or in the case of Birth of a Nation, they're the heroes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, dear, dear. So. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, thought, I know that Charlie said that he's a fan of Tarantino. So am I. I, I mm -hmm. like all of his films apart from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Jackie yeah. Brown, which I haven't I seen. I love Jackie Brown. It's only because I haven't seen it. No. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Tarantino, to be honest. I find him a bit obvious. All right. Um, well, that's a conversation for another yeah. time. But, um, <laughs> I, I did think that Django and Jane, that kind of comedy clan stuff, was really good, and I think that nobody's really followed it up. Mm. And probably rightly, there shouldn't be that many comedy movies about the clan. Um, but it's good that no, we've no. got one that's a horror film. It and yeah. again, it feels yeah. like it's pushed it just a bit further. Yeah. Um, and therefore, again, the movies really Spike Lee hated Django and Jane, didn't he? Um, All right. It's quite quite publicly hated that they've made entertainment of that nature right. out of the out of the, uh, out of the slavery experience, but um, but his handling of the clan in Black Klansman, which mm. I watched on Netflix the other day, is actually I think his best, Spike Lee's best film in decades. It's uh, amazing. I love Black Klansman, but yeah. it's the only Spike Lee film I've ever seen. This is where I admit to being. A privileged blinkered white boy. Um, I really need to check out some of his other films, but that's a great movie. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. like Tarantino, I find Spike Lee a bit overrated too. <laughs> but I, I agree. Love Black Klansman. So okay. uh, anyway, I didn't expect to be talking about those guys. Yeah, so, <laughs> but basically, are. it sounds like three solid recommendations for yeah, death. Yeah, the other thing I'd also say about um, is I was when I was talking to Charlie, I was like, well, I assume this is going to be. When everyone's been to the bar, you know, if this was in the normal times, it'd be it'd be a late night movie. And then it was on at half past one in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. In the schedule, and I thought, oh. interesting. I mean, I know it would have been different, but following people on the internet, lots of people seem to be watching it in real time. Right. Um, if, if you're following it on Facebook at the time, I wasn't yeah. watching the movies, but I was, I was working, and every so often it. The Reaper's Arms, Rimfest, yeah, and the Reaper's Arms. Uh 
And I was like, oh, and it's kind of like a little, oh, I do wish I was at a festival. But yeah. it's funny because some people go, I'm drinking way more than I usually do. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to drink in front of the computer. I'm going to have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of that. I'm really I drunk. Like, yeah, people trying yeah. to take pictures of their setups in their house and the pictures are some all clear. Right. amazing. <laughs> some of them, like, people have, Did you like, see that one with really the massive big wall. Telly? Yeah, big wall. Big, big telly. <laughs> yeah, I saw the big telly, but, yeah, someone had a massive big white space on their wall, sort of above their stairs. Yeah, the projector. And, and they had a projector going up onto it. Oh, and they could lie in bed, couldn't they, and watch the film? Yeah, yeah, which was amazing. Yeah, it's so good. I must confess, if I'd realised in advance, I would have really said, everybody, don't watch Death Ranch at one thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, not with your lunch. Because, well, also not just that, but just, just like save that till you've had too many beers. It's it's supposed yeah. to be, you know, because you didn't have to watch it when it was on. You had 48 hours to watch it i'd be a bit like save it save it till the evening the mm. film for it could be a proper film for shouting at it, isn't it yeah yeah get him get him yeah, it, was, it was a definite <laughs> ah i can't believe yeah, they're doing ah. that so <laughs> somebody said at the reaper's arms didn't they um, i think it was coming i'm not sure it was i just remember seeing it was on at 1 30. Sorry, Star, what were you saying? It was one of the ones that people were commenting on saying oh, i wish wish we were watching this in in the room with loads of other yeah. people because and people were saying they were missing the, you know, everyone going, oh, uh, together. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, now, Stella, yeah. I think if it was the Saturday, you and I, you and I would have had fun with that, with our kind Definitely. of traditional yeah. world of people. But <laughs> at least they didn't put it on at 10 a.m. Well, as we were just saying <laughs> yeah. about Fried Barry, there were a few, you know, Fried Barry was one of those as well. So there was definite some that really made you go, this, this needs to be a communal. Yeah. Mm, a yeah. communal experience. Oh well, next year. Hopefully, yes. yeah. Somebody, year, I saw somebody we'll today said an expert, and she said, "When do you think things will be normal again?" And she said, "Hopefully by the end of 2021." Yeah. And she was a she was somebody who's working on getting the vaccine together. Yeah, well, I don't think I'll be back <laughs> teaching on campus properly until September 21. No, no. no. At the Let's no see. Yeah. Good news yeah. for Zoom and nobody else. My mum said to me today, Dan, in 20 years, <coughs> when you look back on this time, what, what will you think about how we're living now? And I said, well, mum, that depends on whether we're still living like that in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. As if I'm still on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I will have properly turned into a J.G. Ballard. Uh, well, short story by then. Well, no, we're currently living in the machine stops, Ian. Do you know that E.M. Forrester short story? I don't know that one. I've heard of it. but um, where every, it. Everybody lives in little cubicles and just communicates with others on screens. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, that is also um, uh, a J.G. Ballard short story. And I've right. that thing now. I can't remember the damn name of it. But it's basically because of a virus, everybody starts living in their own cubicles. And, right. then it, and then it goes on, and then the computers take over for the protection of humanity, and everyone lives in white cubicles for life, and everything's done on screens. You wrote this in the 60s. Everything's done on screens, including sex, including <laughs> putting eggs and sperm together, is done elsewhere. <laughs> right. and oh babies God. are brought up by computers and so you're you end up having different screens depending on how many children you have but you never ever meet 
and you're all just brought up in separate white cubicles where everything everything's everything's provided for you and in the story somebody goes what what if there's no virus out there anymore it's been going on for hundreds of years i'm going to go meet my family and they all sort of conspire and break the rules and they all meet up in his house and then they murder each other (laughs) well that's something to look forward to isn't it (laughs) it's a really good it's a really dark but it's basically when you're reading it and you're going oh my god it's fake i remember going oh god it's facebook and now now (laughs) what we're doing now it's like what's that called again that sounds that good uh oh Oh, you don't know i'll I'll make sure i did did actually look into the rights of it when um to to make see if we could make a zoom film um based on it and um oh, that sounds great uh, and and it's the rights aren't available because i think somebody's yeah. just probably some companies probably just bought all of jg ballard's mm. <laughs> rights as yeah. a sort of massive job lot so no one else yeah. can have them so it's jg this is where i'll do the jg ballard i've actually because i actually bought the short i actually bought all his short stories as well like in this massive ebook <laughs> just to get just to get hold of it and uh oh, wow. I think it might be myths of the near future. Oh, um, cool. Nice title. Yeah, it's a good title. Mm. Cool. Lockdown. Well, that's uh, that counts. Yeah, having a wonderful having a oh no, not having a wonderful time. That's a different one. It's uh. That's a Paul McCartney song. <laughs> it's also a 1982 short story. <laughs> 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 it's. Uh, oh dear. The intensive care unit. That's well, what it's called intensive it's care. Called. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a punk oh. band that might get that name as well, or a new wave, a new wave band that got right. that name as well. But yeah, it's also a bit of my hospital. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of the idea: is that the intensive care unit? I guess it's having spent a month in hospital. I know how quickly you get institutionalized. I mm. guess he mm. he's really good at taking ideas and going, "What if?" So what yeah. if the whole human race got institutionalized to the point where for our own safety we would all be made scared to go out? It's hard mm. to imagine. <laughs> but uh, uh. I, always, I always think you could sort of, uh, no one will want to read this, but if you, you could start a, after lockdown, you could set something in a real bad pandemic rather than yeah. this easy thing that we're going through and go, do you remember what it was like? When we had that mini lockdown, <laughs> we thought that was bad. Yeah, in the in the eighteen month gap between the end of this lockdown and the beginning of an actual really bad pandemic. Yeah, well, <laughs> publish as much yeah. really bleak apocalyptic fiction as you can. Yeah, yeah. Well, all you have to do is watch the one that you know the Kate Winslet and um, Matt Damon movie. Um, Not sure which one the, that is. Yeah, the the one that everyone watched when lockdown started. Um, because it was about a pandemic. Oh, like, contagion! Oh. Contagion, yeah. Contagion, yeah. yeah. And when you watch that, you go, "A, they got some of it right, but also that's an actual plague that is killing people, like way more than what we're the real one we're living through is bad, mm. but but it could easily be as bad as that one. Yeah, would really <laughs> be in trouble. At least, at least if the plague was that bad, we wouldn't have people going, "I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not going." <laughs> I'm not doing this. It's my, it's my liberty. It's my right. <laughs> I'm not wearing, my favourite one is, I'm not wearing a muzzle. Oh, yeah, I'm not wearing a muzzle. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, I'm not washing my hands when I cook your food then, fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> when I've just been for a week. 
yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, sleep well, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The so, podcast yeah. reaches of uh, the summit of horror just as we're ending. Um, yes. so that's that's a, a good part to to bring this oh, to a close. That counts as a recommendation from you, but I think you had another recommendation for this week, didn't you? Oh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, just because it's just on BBC Sounds at the moment, and we're we're getting very much into talking about audio horror, aren't we? Every mm. every time we have a podcast, I think we're gearing up to maybe covering some audio horror, aren't we, Dan? I think I think that... and making at some point we're going to interview these people aren't we but, i think um, i i now know all of my co-hosts well enough that that i know that all of you have a definite interest and connection to radio stroke audio stroke podcast horror so i yeah. think that lots of that stuff's going to come up yeah, yeah. no i, I right. think we should but anyway my recommendation is children of the stones the uh classic 1970s children's story uh children's i have it TV, on dvd which i do as well and mm. I can't quite believe it's for children. My children have watched <laughs> all sorts of things and they, they managed to last five minutes of Children of Stones before screaming and running out of the room. Really? They, they've sat and watched The Thing. They've sat and watched, you know, they've sat, they watched Jaws very early on, but the creepy music of Children of the Stones and the is general... The, I mean, the only music on Children of the Stones is just stunning. Yeah, yeah. Which, unfortunately, is the only thing, the, the, the audio version which is an updated modern day version, doesn't have, it doesn't have the music. But the music is still quite creepy and it's got Reese Shearsmith being the sort of crazy... Uh, is he playing the Ian Cuthbertson character? I believe so. Kind of the, Lord of the Manor guy. The sort of Lord of the... Well, yeah, he's, he's not really Lord of the Manor, but he's the sort of... He's a sort of David Icke kind of character who, if David Icke wasn't mad... And it was, and it was actually real. <laughs> he's going on about, yeah. He's the guy who has contacted the being beyond the black hole. Um, right. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, but it's, uh, it's, it's a very good, it's a very good adaptation. Um, and on BBC Sounds at the moment, from the wonderful Baffle Gab, who yes. I always like. They did, they did. Uh, they did a very good version of Blood on Satan's Claw. Yeah. And, yeah, and and the stuff. and the book that um, Hellraiser was based on, they did a sort of audio version. Yes, of that, yeah, I really liked as well. So all, all stuff we should touch on in the future. But yeah, yes, and I feel Gab. sure we will. Everyone oh. go to Baffle Gab and I'll, buy, their, I'll, buy their things. I'll put links in the show notes. They also did a fun anthology series called Hammer Chillers, which yeah. I've listened to all of. That's very yeah. good. Stella, have you got any recommendations this week? Um, yes. Uh, I've got two, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, one, or the first one, is um, The Haunting of Bly Manor is on Netflix. Oh, yes. A follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House, I absolutely loved. Um, I've not started watching Bly Manor yet, and I'm seeing very, very mixed reviews, so I'd like some people, watched... other people to listen to it, or watch mm-hmm. it, rather. I've watched six episodes, and it's very mixed. Right. I'm still okay. going to keep watching it to the end. Yeah. Although episode five, me and my wife just went, it's got really shit. <laughs> and, we, and we stopped watching halfway through and then nearly did Well, that's my recommendation. Through. Something yeah. that might <laughs> so, not yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Your recommendation of things you want to watch. Um, yeah. And I would, then say, the I would say one. to people, watch it. It's nowhere near as good as yeah. 
Do you know the misstep they did at the end of Haunting of Hill House? Yes. Where they ruined the book? Oh, I haven't seen it, Ian. You haven't yeah. seen it? Well, yeah. anyway, I won't, I won't spoil it, but basically they take this amazing book, they turn it into something modern and wonderful, and then they really fuck up the end, um, <laughs> in my opinion. It's more like the bit in them that fucked up the end of Hill House is more the presiding, the kind of mess up turn of the screw by mixing <laughs> it with loads of other things to make it 10 episodes. So right. it just made me want to go to my wife. You haven't seen The Innocence, have you? You haven't seen The Bloody Innocence. Can we just put The Innocence on? Yeah, I, I love The Innocence. It's one of the yeah, greatest. Yeah, yeah I think, I think that would be the hardest thing for anyone who loves The Innocence to get. Yeah. Is the, so I guess this, then... My recommendation is a, a mild suggestion. <laughs> and the other one... You had another you should, one. You should absolutely... Everybody should listen to and you need to start listening to it immediately. And you, if you think you've not got time to get through 70-odd episodes, then you will make time when you start listening. And that is to get yourselves listening to All Killer, No Filler. It's right. two female comedians um, talking about serial killers and it's the funniest thing in the whole wide world. And they're doing a live show from um, the Monkey Barrel in Edinburgh on Halloween night. So there's still tickets Ooh. available to watch that live. And if not, you can't watch it live. You'll be able to watch it 48 hours afterwards. And all the money is going to um, saving that venue in Edinburgh. Because it's a really important venue for the comedy circuit. But even if you can't do that and you just want to listen to it via iTunes or whatever, it is, honestly, it's my favourite thing in the whole wide world. I love it. Oh, killer no filler. Please listen. Fantastic. Yes. I'm definitely yeah. run off. I need a new podcast. That's so. the one for you. Now, I've been meaning to start listening to that for years. Um, other people have recommended it to me. I finally will, and we'll put that link in the show notes. Thank I still haven't listened to Stella. Serial. <laughs> have you not? <laughs> no. I've listened to the first series. I have not listened to any of it. And I love, yeah. I love all podcasts. I've just somehow never got started, and it feels too big. And well, there, are, there are rather a lot of them. Yes. This is a retrospective recommendation interruption. Hello, folks, it's Dan. After we recorded this episode and these recommendations, I had another idea, which I thought I should insert here so that you can listen to it. There is a movie on Sunday the 18th of October at 9pm on Talking Pictures TV. So if you're a UK-based uh, person with free view, you should be able to watch this TV channel. There's a very interesting-sounding 1970 British horror film called and soon the darkness. Now, I've never seen this film, but I happen to know that Howard is a big fan, and the reason why I know is that he talked about it on the very first podcast we ever recorded together back in 2016. And I'm going to insert that clip now so that you can hear it. So know that Howard would recommend this movie, and I'll get to my recommendation for the week afterwards. There's a film I'm particularly fond of called And Soon the Darkness. And one of the reasons that I like this film particularly is that I saw uh, a screening of it at the Corner House about 10, 12 years ago. And the director of the film, Robert Fust, was actually there having a Q&A. And he also directed The Abominable Doctor Fives, which is one of my all-time favourites. So it was great to see him and he sort of like uh, talked about it. He looked like Ken Russell. He was quite plump and had a lot of uh, white hair and ruddy face. But he was brilliant. He was, he was really soft-spoken and, and a very, very nice man. Uh, and it's, it's a fascinating film because it's all set in about two miles of road in rural France. And there's this sort of like homicidal maniac on the loose. And these two cyclists, played by Pamela Franklin and Michelle Dutrice, uh, are cycling through and they get sort of like um, menaced by the killer. And it's a bit of a whodunit. The, the person you think it is, it isn't. So I uh, hope that hasn't given too much away. But anyway, Michelle Dutrice is wearing these white shorts and she looks absolutely gorgeous. I know everybody thinks of her as 
uh, Betty Spencer from uh, Some Others Do Have Them. But in this film, she's very different, and she's just, she's stunning, really, especially when she's uh, riding her bike. So if you um, want to watch, <laughs> wanna watch it, it's, it's really great. It's, it's brilliantly done, because it's, it's got such a kind of, mini, it's so minimalist. It's just sort of like set on this road, but it's, it's amazing. It's a brilliant film, uh, underrated film. Fuse's a great director as well. I hope we'll be talking more about I hope, him. Well, I hope, yes. The Bono Dr. Fibes is just uh, a classic. and uh, He also did a very interesting sci-fi film called The Final Problem, a very interesting horror movie called The Devil's Reign. The Devil's Reign and, is, um, is several, weird. Several, yeah, it is weird. And several episodes of The Avengers and stuff like that. Yes, he did a lot of The Avengers. He was a designer before he was a director, and he's got a very interesting visual sense. And um, I think yeah, I think he's no longer with us, but it was, it was great to see him, oh, uh, and it was fascinating. So my recommendation, I'm going to be very quick. It's on, on BBC Two on Saturday night, the 17th of October, and it's The Shining. Do oh, I really hey. say anything about that? Except that I saw it as the restored version on the big screen last year. I think about this time last year with an audience of about six people in Oldham. Oh. And that was just wonderful in a way, just sitting in a nearly empty cinema and seeing The Shining on a massive screen. Well, that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never seen it in a cinema. Me neither. Right. Just on the Ironically, I've seen Ready Player Bloody One in the cinema with my children. Right. Yeah, same. I, and, but not, which I thought was sacrilege. Right. I've not you know, it, well, heard they, good they, things they have a whole bit where they, they, they have a whole bit where they go into The Shining. Yeah. I loved it one. because I could see The Shining, or the snippet of The Shining on the big screen and with the music you know with, with the score on so i like that oh, and i got wow, very excited okay. about oh, i just found i was so against the film down. i hated the film and then i just thought it was sacrilege <laughs> and my kids were a bit bored <laughs> so it wasn't working nope. but anyway my yes. daughter loved it mm. yeah anyway. okay <laughs> well there we go so um bunch of recommendations from us literary podcasts movies tv just covered loads of uh, bases there so that's great well Thank you so much, Ian and Stella, for joining me for um, a final kind of troll through for, through the fun stuff from Grimfest this yeah, year. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Well, pleasure. Them for carrying out their digital yeah. festival. Let's hope that things can settle down and be less post-apocalyptic next year so we can all go to the actual festival. Um, listeners, we'll be back next week. I'm not quite sure what's going to be happening in the podcast next week because we're doing it a little bit hand-to-mouth at the moment, but we will definitely be back anyway. Uh, I've been Dan. We'll see you then. Or you'll hear us then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Stella Gaynor, Ian Winterton, T.D. Velasquez, and Howard Whittock. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at leecushingpod. Follow us on Twitter at andnowpodcast or at leecushingpodcast. 
If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now podcast. And now the podcast stops.